from Beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by libertarian thinker Bruno Barron, progressive professor Mark Casello, pro-Republican Don Doug Ivendahl, and on our second hour, a discussion of cybersecurity and also uh, artificial intelligence with Josh Cantrell, cybersecurity attorney, and Dr. Robert Marks of Baylor University. Good evening, everybody. I'm Bruce Dumont. Welcome to Beyond the Beltway. We're coming to you live from the AM560 studios in beautiful Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Our phone line's open at 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. We've got two separate discussions for you this evening, and uh, we begin with politics and uh, this past week in politics, and also what might take place uh, next week in politics as we also talk about uh, the battle for the Republican presidential nomination next year. Um, and, and, and we begin with with at least a report that New York prosecutors are about to indict Donald Trump and that he has been invited, allegedly, to address uh, the grand jury uh, next week. Uh, Doug Ibadol, I want to turn to you because uh, you have, for those who do not know, you're, you're, the, you're the premier pro-Trump Republican, at least who has appeared on this program. You appeared on the program the very first uh, night that uh, Donald Trump announced for president a long time ago. You've been his staunchest defender. Uh, as you look at, at the various prosecutions, but spe- specifically the one in New York uh, involving hush payments to Stormy Daniels, how much would an indictment hurt Donald Trump and his chances of returning to the presidency? Well, I think you make a good argument. It would actually help his chances. I think if if, um, if 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 some corrupt prosecutor is actually silly enough to bring an indictment, I mean, we, we've heard this before, but I, I I still have doubts. I mean, there's no credible case. But if it but if it did happen, if they were that desperate, I think I think you're going to see uh, the, the the Republican rank and file unite like never before, and anyone any other candidate. Uh, whether it's Nikki Haley or DeSantis when you sign the race yet, but whoever it is, anyone tries, any Republican who tries to make hay out of that, I, I, I think is going to be is going to be severely spanked and is going to be seen as in cahoots with the dirty cops. Okay, uh, Bruno Barrett also joins us. Bruno, nice to have you with us. Thank you. You're a Republican, but you're more of a libertarian, conservative, and you've been pro-Trump, anti-Trump uh, in your many years on this program. Right at the moment, uh, would an, how badly, if at all, would an indictment hurt Donald Trump? I got to agree mostly with what Doug said. I mean, I don't think, look, I've been having fun with uh, progressives and liberals for the last, I mean, uh, six years now right you know he's going down he's going down this time it's like he's he's maybe he's going to go down someday who knows i don't know probably not so uh you know trump is the king of the no such thing as bad publicity um everything seems to anything that keeps him in the headlines is good for him the way his personality is um so i'm not as much of a fan as doug um i don't know that i want him to win the nomination but this this uh, indictment. I mean, I think the Democrats are. I mean, Trump is so deep in their heads that it just makes them look bad every time they try this stuff. 
What happens if he is convicted, Doug? Have you have you well, have you factored that in that, that there's a possibility that he could be convicted? Well, anything anything can happen. I mean, the the uh, well, yeah, <laughs> the, 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 the the hatred and the corruption that this man has faced over you know the last uh, you know six years. I mean, is is unprecedented. It's it, it's outrageous. Let me it ask. Let me wrong, let me ask you, the, Doug. Let me let me ask you this question. One of the specifics debated in this particular uh, prosecution. Do you believe? Are you talking about the story, Daniels. Yeah. Thing? Do you believe that it was okay for Donald Trump to pay a hundred and thirty thousand dollars through his attorney to keep her quiet? on the eve of the 2016 election. Just as a, as a member of the court, Can as a human being, uh, <laughs> what do you think of that act? Well, you're, 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 you're putting the most negative spin on that. I, I well, appreciate that. Put a, put a pleasant uh, spin on it and I, I explain say, it to me. It's a non-disclosure agreement. I mean, you say it was $100,000. I don't know if that's been been established. Maybe, maybe it has been. I can't yeah, remember what it has. Uh, said about that. But it's, you know, it's, it's perfectly legal. And, and, and by the way, um, we're talking about a very uh, technical, at most, at worst, a very technical uh, a, a, a campaign finance reporting issue. I would argue it's not even, doesn't even get there, that it's not something that okay. would be reported. So, but, you, but, but as a person, you don't, you don't think there's anything wrong with it, besides, obviously, you're arguing uh, you know, some of the technicalities of the case, but insofar as... Just the act, as 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 has been charged, you personally don't have any problem with that. The the, the, the fact that he had a, the, the fact that he apparently has some sort of relationship with a former a porn star. I mean, is is that ideal for a Republican candidate? No. But Donald Trump has been very open and honest about about his you know about his past life. You know, when he was uh, when he was young and uh, high flying real estate developer, he did what high-flying Manhattan real estate developers did. Okay. He's been very uh, open honest about that, and he's, and he's changed. I want to ask... All is thin. I want to get uh, Mark Costello in here. Mark, to some people, this is a very old story, but obviously if there's a prosecution, uh, that whole story comes back. Um, how upset were you with the initial charge? So uh, when this came out, I... I think there were other offenses of uh, Donald Trump that were more egregious. I think, um, you know, le legalities and some legal jeopardy here. But he, he was the guy who said, I know the system. I can work the system. I know it's corrupt and rigged because I use that system. And I, I think, you know, this is going to feed into the narrative that, that he's the guy who works the system. And, um, and I think it's only going to make him stronger as a candidate. Were you upset with the initial charge, Bruno? Not particularly. I mean, the American people didn't seem to be upset I, with it. You know, look, again, is it, is it ideal for a Republican candidate to have that kind of a background? No, but the guy got elected president in spite of all that stuff. Right. And, you know, if we're going to be upset about that, are we upset about Hillary Clinton's email server? Are we upset about uh, Hunter Biden uh, doing a no-show job for Burisma so his dad can get involved in Ukrainian corruption and on all the money that the Bidens are taking in from China? I mean, you know, look— we, it, it, it's really time for everybody to take a step back and stop pretending that their that, that their side is, you know, pristine while the other side is Satan incarnate. I mean, it, right. 
you know, the, the, the America is just raining corruption from every angle of every industry do all you, the time. Do you agree with Doug that no Republican really can push this issue? Uh, probably true, and I, but I, I don't see any Republican pushing it. I mean, they're, look, they're, they're, they already everybody already knows if they're going to get in the race, they already know that they can't do anything. That if you attack Donald Trump, you just get in the dirt with him. Right. We got to pause. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine from coast to coast and border to border. I'm Bruce Dumont talking about Republican politics for twenty twenty four, and we're going to switch gears when we come back talking about Mexico. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. The kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control, and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council.
Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Thanks very much for joining us this week. Um, I want to switch gears to talk about Mexico. There's there's a there's a move afoot uh, afoot in in Congress. Some people, uh, Representative Crenshaw from uh, uh, Texas, is talking about. Uh, bringing the military involved, getting them involved in some sort of incursion to fight the cartels in Mexico. And uh, Lindsey Graham has talked about uh, possibly militarizing uh, uh, the, the border as well. And I want to get reaction because there was there, w- there was rather dramatic reaction last week from the president of, of, of uh, Mexico, uh, President Lopez Obrador, who basically said, the United States should get its act together. Why, you know, why are you creating such a demand for this stuff? You know, we don't use it here. We don't manufacture it here, which certainly I think is a debatable point. But he was attacking uh, the drug culture in the United States. And uh, I got to say, I think he was right on in some of his criticism, Mark. No, absolutely. Uh, The American appetite uh, for narcotics uh, has is dri- the commercial force driving that corruption and violence in Mexico? Um, too often we we blame you know we blame the cartels, but they're they're profiting on American consumption. A, lo- a large part of that drug traffic is flowing into the U.S. Uh, into the U.S. market. Bruno Barron, what do you think? Um, is the president it, of Mexico right? Well, to some a, extent, I think it's a fair critique. Uh, I don't think that provides an excuse to. You know, like, oh, well, we're at fault, so we should, you know, like, I mean, yes, we sh- should we do something about our drug culture here? Well, let's look at broken families. Let's look at how... He abso- talked about that. ...how absolutely horrible America's public school system is. It, it's, a, it's a haven for the greediest form of administrators. It's a, it's a union thug operation. Um, they can't educate. Apparently, all they can do now is indoctrinate when they're not trying to force everybody to wear masks. I mean, so... We have broken families. We have we have a governmental kind of a, a, a elite that's trying to make uh, workers and 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 um, lower middle class uh, second citizens, second quality uh, lower quality citizens. Um, you know, and so there's there's horrible things going on here. Uh, we should get conservatives and liberals should get together to try and figure out how to solve some of these problems. But instead, we're all screaming at each other and. Meanwhile, then there's also the, well, the whole fentanyl trade and everything else going on with that. So it's it's absolutely awful. Well, he's he is blaming uh, you know many conservatives, many Republicans. He, he is he is waging a campaign against some Republicans because they're talking now about militarizing, getting the military involved, and he's basically saying, "Wait a minute, clean up your own act." And he he referenced you know the breakdown of an, in American family. So, Mike, I want, Doug, I want to get get you to weigh in on this. Uh, what's your take on the, on the president of Mexico and some of his uh, very harsh comments? Uh, was he uh, was he near the truth on some of his comments? Well, the, the government of Mexico is, is horribly corrupt. Okay, I mean it's really the the cartels there are really uh, running the show. But yes, on on, on those points about the. Uh, U.S. government in the United States having its own severe problems. Yeah, of course, yeah, that can't be denied. Of course, it does. But they also see that we have an extremely weak, um, uh, you know, United States president now, extremely weak uh, administration. You know, if only you know when Donald Trump, you know, when Donald Trump was president, we had a secure border. We had a secure border, and Mexico respected us. And they were, you know, remember when they mocked Trump for Mexico will pay for the wall? Well, the fact is. Mexico provided what was it, fifteen or twenty thousand troops. The border was secure. You know, right now there is a free flow, not just you know human smuggling, but like Bruno was talking about, the fentanyl, 
which is probably killing more uh, American citizens now in this this invasion. Probably uh, killing a lot more American citizens that are being than civilians are being killed in Ukraine right now. If that's true, all, if know, that's true, let me ask you this. Let me let me let me ask you this question then. If that's true, uh, notwithstanding what the president of Mexico has said, um, is there a responsibility by the American administration and the American military to do something about it? I mean, if there, if all much of this is going on within several miles of the U.S. border, including the recent murder of four uh, four U.S. citizens, uh, should there be the ability to pursue? criminals in Mexico with military force. Well, is, that, is, that, that is that protecting American lives by doing that? Well, well I think we've done it. I think we've certainly done it in the past with the DEA. I think we've, we've always done that, but I think Mexico... That's is, the DEA. Uh, that's been, not, that's not the U.S. military. That's not, well, no, that's not troops on the ground. Well, I think there's a problem with that, but I don't legal problems, but I don't, if we had a real leader in the White House, Donald, this would not be happening. Donald Trump would, would take the okay. Mexican president and sit him down and say, this has got it. You're going to stop this. Okay. You've got a, you're, you've got a huge, you've got enormous, Mexico has an enormous military. They have the, they have the, the ability and the means to stop this. They need to, just, they need, they need to start uh, being responsive to their citizens instead of the drug cartels. Donald Trump would, would make that very clear. Bruce, the, the, the other thing, too, that's that's going on, and I don't know how many people have listened to a guy named Peter Zion, that's Z-I-E-H-A-N. He's all over YouTube on all kinds of Ukrainian stuff and, and foreign policy and, and geopolitics. Um, the Mexican cartels have changed. You know, the United States took out the cartel that was like, you know, business. This is just a drug business. And now the people who are getting involved in the cartels are a whole bunch of ex-military like, it, it's like night and day, and these people are becoming very dangerous. And they also are trying to get into the United States to try to control the, you know, some American law enforcement and some American um, political structures uh, the, the, the same way that they've done uh, in, in Mexico. So, you know, if, if it's very funny for a Mexican president to sit there and say, well, you guys should fix this problem. Well, Fixing the social problems that are leading to some of this stuff, that it took 30, 40 years for those social problems to be uh, created, and it's going to take 10 to 15 years of doing all the right things right now, and they're still going to have to be uh, take time to do that. So if, if putting the U.S. military on the border to kill a bunch of people who are from very, very aggressive, well-funded, military-trained, brutal, evilly brutal cartel people... You know, then it's, uh, thank you very much, Mexican president. But we're going to do what we have to, and we're going to shoot some cartel people. Okay, but where where is the American political leadership that asked the questions that President uh, Abrador asked? I mean, they're called social conservatives, and they've been raising these issues for decades, yeah, and no one's listening to I them. I don't think. I don't think so. Go ahead. No, I think there's been an abdication of leadership in both parties on this issue. Um, immigration reform. Nothing happening. Um, we're not hearing it. Um, you know, we we got uh, Ron DeSantis going to you know, potentially get in the race, and he's he's anti-immigration. But where where's the reform? Where's the policies? Um, a militarized drug war. We've been there for decades. Uh, it was basically a civil war in Mexico. A hundred over a hundred thousand people killed. Um, so it's not it's not something you can enter into lightly. 
Um, but I do think our, our, you know, the border, we need reform. We need a better control of the border. Uh, Bruce, I know you've spoken in the past about E-Verify, for example, right. for employment. We've been talking about that since we met, Bruce. Right, that's <laughs> I right. was a young man when that started. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. Uh, yeah. So I, and that's I, that's making its way through Congress again. The the mandatory E-Verify uh, is is being pushed by a California Republican congressman, and it, you don't you don't you don't you don't hear a lot about it. But I'm just saying is that some of the issues like uh, that that the president has talked about, President of Mexico, basically holding up a mirror to the American people and the American voters say, why, why, why do you thirst drugs so much? I mean, that used to be, you're right, in the Nancy Reagan era, that was a big question to be asked. But again, since that time, how many states have legalized, you know, um, uh, recreational marijuana? I mean, the drug laws in the United States seem to be, you know, opening up and becoming more liberalized, not more conservative uh, in the in the wake of all this. And again, you know, I, I would say the same thing about those people that run off to, you know, Cancun or Mexico. I mean, you know, they're 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 sending all their tourist dollars to Mexico, and uh, yet, I mean, four Americans were murdered there. They were murdered there not because going there for drugs. They were going there for medical treatment that does not exist in the United States. Cosmetic surgery. That's what that wasn't the case. But then you've got the cartel, you know, allegedly uh, <laughs> giving us the, the the four or five people that did it. Here, take a look at them. A lot of them look dead. <laughs> yeah, the uh, it it is a very very intractable problem, and I I'm you know, I'm, I'm 100 with Mark, uh, at least in in this issue, and this is where we have got to stop just screaming at each other across the barricades, and we have to stop listening to the most extreme five or ten percent of each of our parties who are driving all this policy. Um, you know, I don't think Democrats are pro-crime, but I do think the progressives that are running the Democratic Party from the remnants of the Obama administration, I mean, if you look at what's going on in these cities, if you look at what's going on with uh, you know, literally decriminalizing crime so that Walmart is pulling entirely out of San Francisco and whole, whole companies and industries are leaving certain areas and Walgreens has to put everything, Walgreens in San Francisco has to put everything behind uh, glass and everything right. is smash and grab. Um, these are all parts of the social contagion that is dis- that is destroying um, the the fabric of American culture mm-hmm. everywhere. I agree with that. Doug, there's so, there, go ahead. There, there's so, there's so much more. There's so much more that our federal government could be doing right now. So much more. Like but what? I, I, I agree with the professor. I agree with the professor who said that uh, both parties are falling down on this. Why? Because they're more concerned. They're only concerned with the borders of Ukraine and not with our own border. The fact is, no one can deny we have an open border. Uh, uh, illegal immigrants are, are, are streaming across. Some of those are, uh, are, are, are women and children being smuggled for all the worst reasons. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, and then the drug. We've got an administration that is not taking it seriously. Doug, we've got to pause on that note. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. I'm Bruce Dumont. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. 
Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening. And they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why as a young person they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows. But the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. <clears throat> I don't understand what people feel. It makes me really bored. Like, not like foreigners. Bruce Dumont back. That voice was the Doug Ivendahl. Doug, that was on the air. So now that we have heard your voice... Uh, we're going to introduce everybody and let uh, take 15 seconds and tell everybody a little bit about uh, your background and how you became uh, so uh, in love with Donald Trump. Oh, I'm a uh, thanks, Bruce. I'm a, uh, a Chicago lawyer. Uh, before that, I was a, a bank examiner for the Federal Reserve. Um, I've been uh, many moons ago. I was uh, general counsel uh, lawyer for the state Republican Party, and I saw how uh, ineffective our party really was. And I, you know, I, I volunteered for a lot of uh, Republican candidates that have invariably disappointed me. When Donald Trump came along, it was like he was speaking to me. Finally, got the real deal. 
and the man has never disappointed me. Have you I ever mean, met? Have really you unique. have you ever met him? Yeah, yeah, one time. One time. Yeah, one one time. But he he uh, is he yeah. aware of all this uh, proselytizing you've been doing for him for the last six or seven years? Well, I, you know, I'm not one to blow my own horn. Well, if I recall, you know, in, in the in the first in, early you know, on, the, early the, on, he mentioned you in a primary. in a debate, didn't he? Mention you in a debate. He mentioned you by name. Primary, primary yeah. at three at three rallies, three early rallies in the primary. He read something I wrote through standing up for him against. That's when the conservatives, the so-called conservative leaders, yeah. were trying to take him down. And the National yeah. Review did this, uh, this silly uh, article. They had like 25 leaders that said why Donald Trump shouldn't be the nominee. And I, I wrote something uh, I standing up for him against them. And he, na- and he, uh, he name-checked you. Bruno Barron, tell us about your background and how you got here. Uh, I've been uh, kind of like a Illinois political you know, follower, operative, conservative for a long time. Doug and I even worked together for a couple of candidates here and there. Um, And, uh, you know, for the most part, I'm kind of like a Heartland Institute senior fellow on education issues. Uh, I've been following politics uh, closely all my life. I've I've worked for a couple of candidates, uh, tried to get a young guy, Adam Angievsky. I I worked on his campaign, tried to get him elected governor. Um, he's, I'm now on the board of, uh, open the books, which is the organization he does for getting all the, you know, every dime online, getting all the, um, uh, freedom of information act requests. And for the most part, uh, kind of got out of the political thing just cause Illinois is such a mess. And, uh, with 2024 looming, I'm thinking about figuring out a way to get back in, but I don't have any ins to the national scene, but I think the national scene is going to be really, really, really important this year. Okay. Mark Costello. Yeah, I'm Mark Casello. I'm the chair of humanities at Calumet College of St. Joseph, and uh, I've I've always been an interest in politics. Uh, really, some of my first political action goes back to uh, high school. I wrote a letter to the editor uh, in opposition to the first uh, Gulf War <laughs> when I was like 15, uh, and then later, uh, you know, we're in this. Uh, we've had a recent uh, bank failure, and it was in the wake of. Uh, the 2008 financial crisis, I began doing some freelance uh, writing for the Huffington Post um, mm-hmm. and then became uh, involved covering the Occupy protest of 2011 mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and then uh, I've been uh, on Bruce's show since. Are you uh, optimistic that uh, President Trump, uh, President Biden rather, is going to run for re-election? Yeah, I was just thinking about that on the way in because, you know, right now you've got this uh, burgeoning Republican field shaping up and yeah, I recall that last campaign where Trump was just picking off one candidate after the other, winnowing that field. And so right now the Democrats are enjoying having that you know presidential figurehead. But I do worry that you know as it gets closer, you know uh, if they if Biden doesn't run, then you're going to have that same kind of situation cropping up uh, on the Democratic side. So I think knowing the Democratic establishment the way I do, they're just going to keep Joe Biden in there <laughs> as long as he's moving Problem and up. can read and <laughs> and function. Well, yeah, I think that that is that, that is the plan at the moment. Uh, another big issue that's taken place in the last couple of weeks is that the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, he has turned over to Tucker Carlson of Fox News all of the video for January 6th. And uh, Tucker Carlson has spent much of this past week airing some of those videos, uh, obviously being selective in what he edits and being selective in what he shows on the air 
just exactly as the major news operations do when they show you things. And uh, if you watched network news over the last several years, every time they talked about uh, January 11th, uh, January 6th, rather, uh, there would be the same five or six shots of, you know, a flag going and breaking the window and people charging up and, and ransacking the, the Capitol and uh, violent protests breaking out and a police officer going uh, to crammed between between the glass, uh, screaming for his life. And uh, those videos uh, were all real, but they were edited. They were all edited videos. What Tucker Carlson has done is he's taken the same raw materials that the networks have had, and he has presented, at least last week, he has presented a case that there were more, uh, that the, the protests were primarily peaceful and he showed a lot of peaceful protests didn't show much of the the violence so my question to you and i'm going to start with you doug uh again you're the strong you know trump supporter but uh would you would you acknowledge that the way tucker carlson has handled his use of the video has it been a positive thing or has it been a negative thing I think it's been he's done a huge public service. The man deserves the uh, Pulitzer Prize hand down. I've, I've I've always liked Tucker Carlson. In fact, his show is really the only one I I even still watch on Fox News. I think I think he's a brilliant guy. And I think he's a fair guy. I think he's done a brilliant job with that. And 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 by the way, neither I nor Tucker Carlson would ever deny there were there were violent hooligans there that day. Yeah. There, there's no, no question about that. There were there were some there were some bad. Bad eggs, violent people—you you, you can see that. There's no denying. But there was a tiny, tiny minority, and there's still a big question about where these. I would argue they weren't Trump supporters to begin with. I think the single uh, biggest thing he's exposed, and probably public service, that that poor Buffalo Horns guy, the the guy they call the QAnon shaman. Yes, that, that man's been in, in in jail, prison for four years. He had, a, he had a horrible lawyer before. Tucker had him on, his original lawyer, who's backtracking now. But that guy, that guy was basically a never-Trumper and thought he was going to make a name for himself. His whole strategy was uh, he was just following the directives okay. of Donald Trump. Terrible right. strategy. All right, thanks very um, much. I, I want to go, Mark, what's your, what's yes. your reaction to, to the whole um, recitation of this story through through video? Yeah, I, I'm... You know, it actually got me watching Tucker Carlson. I well, I was not sure watching you're not him the before. only one. And so I said, well, you know, so um, it didn't last long. I, I did watch it a bit. And, but uh, I know I, I think it is a service, and it's a broader question about, about our media. You know, we've talked on this show in the past about the, the mainstream network news, and I turn, to, you know, ABC to NBC to CBS, and I'm seeing the same footage. I'm hearing the same stories over and over again. So I think this is uh, that footage should have been released uh, more broadly, and I, I'm, I'm all in favor of transparency. Bruno. With progressives like Mark, we could have a decent conversation about how to fix America's problems. I, other progressives, one particularly that's been on the show quite often that I'm on on Facebook a lot, just took the completely crazy party line that anything that, uh, that uh, Tucker Carlson touches is obviously evil and it's all a lie. The fact of the matter is that... Is this Dave, is this Dave Lundy by any chance? <laughs> I, I will prefer to, to not disclose my sources. As, uh, okay. As, but, uh, yes, the... Uh, <laughs> You know, and it, what's amazing who about was the all this, who, who, by the way, on this program was the purveyor week in, week out of the Russia, that Donald Trump was an agent of Russia. I mean, the idea 
of Donald Trump and his manipulation by Vladimir Putin and the Russians. David Lundy did that week in, week out for over two years on this program. And then never, when it becomes apparent that that's not the case, he doesn't want to come back and do the program anymore. Well, Uh, no guts. The the interesting thing to me with all of this is that no one really cares about truth and getting to the bottom of things anymore. It's all about narrative. Like, everything that's going on right now and, and uh, uh, could have been avoided if the Democratic leadership that had control of the House and the Senate at the time could have easily uh, released all the footage, and then they could have had a fair hearing, and yes. they still would have had the ability to have the control of the hearings because they still had the majorities. But instead, they, they did what, you know, and i got to say, I'll be honest, I did not watch a minute of the January 6th hearings. And it was just because I'm busy and I'm doing a lot of other things, and I, I read some articles about it. And the, the fact of the matter is that I know there were violent people there. I know there were people do, that were doing things wrong, and it was still a show trial. And what Tucker Carlson did, and maybe strategically McCarthy should have listened to somebody from the Breitbart School and released it to some other people, like maybe Matt Taby and, and Barry Weiss and some of the people that Elon Musk is tapping to, to see some of this stuff, but what McCarthy did by giving it to Tucker, he gave the Democrats a little bit of an out, like saying, oh, well, that's Tucker Carlson, as if nothing Tucker Carlson says or right. does could ever be true, which is, of course, also a narrative and a lie. Um, the fact of the matter is we now know, we now know that the hearings were like a, a show trial, and we now know that there were a good number of things that were going on that should we should all ask we questions also, about. We also know that all the major networks gave those hearings wall-to-wall coverage, primetime coverage. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a hearing that was not on television. In many cases, it was on all networks at the same time. You couldn't get away with it. And that's the way they treated that side of the story. Right. When Tucker Carlson comes out and presents another side of the story, they don't even mention him. They don't mention him because he is an unmentionable. I mean, he is, he is a pariah within the news media, certainly within the, the network news lie. divisions, because he's letting this stuff out there. And that, that is, that, that's a I, I bet if he did a poll, I bet if he did a poll today, especially with Democrats, a big majority of them would say, would swear that multiple police cops were killed on January 6th. And as, as Tucker, you know, right. it's been, been, been we got We got to pause it's, back it's, shortly it's from locked. Chicago. Got it. Got to go back shortly. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. 
Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Matthew. Huh? I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with Beyond the Beltway, and we've been uh, talking about uh, the, uh, the the news media and their handling of the uh, January 6th uh, tapes and the ones that Tucker Carlson have, have now repackaged in a different way with, uh, uh, I don't want to say a different ending, but at least a, it's a different view of the same uh, tape. But again, I, I think the most important thing that I would like to stress is that this is a, this is a perfect example of what happens uh, every night uh, in the editorial rooms and the edit, literally the edit rooms of network newscasts. People sit there and they decide what picture they're going to show you. They're going to give you a narrative, their narrative, and every video that they include will reinforce their narrative. They're never going to give you the other side, ever, in, in network television at least within a newscast. At least that's my perception. Fox News has chosen to do it a different way. In this particular case, I think they were given a tremendous opportunity, and I, I think it was probably was a mistake to give it just to Tucker Carlson. But Tucker Carlson knew what to do with it because he understands how media works and understands how news works. And so the news divisions and the newspaper people that are out there in the the uh, members of the printed media and and broadcast media, uh, basically, it's uh, they're upset because someone is showing the American people how 
news is created and regurgitated and played over and over and over again. So they hammer something into your brain. And, uh, you know, in this particular case, last week, we found out that the, uh, you know, the, the, the complicity between the FBI and uh, big tech, they kept the story, they killed the story of, Tucker, uh, of, uh, of Hunter Biden and his laptop on the eve of a presidential election. They literally killed a story that was a real story involving a major newspaper in the United States, the New York Post. And then now we're learning, you know, what happened by, by, uh, uh, by turning a, a, a blind eye and embarrassing and basically destroying the credibility of any scientist who dared disagree with uh, government dictates on COVID. And in each of these cases, you have the national news media all gravitating. They're all, they all go to the same side. They don't want the Hunter Biden story out. They don't want, you know, differing voices out there on COVID. And the common denominator here is it's the news media, stupid. Well, They're there to present their narrative. And if there's anybody out there, and by the way, usually it is conservatives that are questioning that narrative. They are besmirched. They are destroyed. Uh, they're made to feel like imbeciles. And then five or six years later, we find out they were all right. Or if not all, all partially right, they, they, that they, Mostly had, that right. they had a point. And I mean, <clears throat> a lot of this has to do with, with what's gone on at, at the schools where, you know, you, you used to go to a, a, an American school, whether it was K-12 or whether it was higher ed. And people would say things like, well, I'll disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. And that is completely shifted over now to where if you say something that somebody disagrees with, you're hurting them and they can't handle it. And, they, and, and this is where so many of, you know, maybe not so much the millennials, but Gen Z and the, and the younger kids are actually saying, well, free speech isn't a value. And if I feel upset and, and, you know, like people, people say this isn't going, this isn't getting into the culture, but it is getting into the culture and people Mm -hmm. are starting to believe this. We've got Joy listening on the line. She's calling from Spokane, Washington. Joy, go ahead. You're on Beyond the Beltway. Hello. Yeah. Try to get, can you, can you hear me? Absolutely. Go ahead. Oh, um, you know, I try to listen to both sides, but I'm a, I'm a lifelong Democrat Mm-hmm. And um, and I can cite examples on the other side um, that um, that are on the conservative side or the right wing side um, that does the same thing. Um, so I think I think it happens on both sides. Um, but I'm just very curious. Can you give us no an exa- Can has- you give us an example of, of what you might mean by that, Joy? Um, well, for example, I marched in uh, Black Lives Matter um, um, uh, demonstration, yes. and I don't, I don't think I'd even call it a protest, and there were a number of them in Spokane. There was one instant, one evening, and it was after everything had ended, and, it, and so again, I know that there was some significant damage, some significant vandalism in countries, in, I mean, in some of the states, but if you looked at the millions of people who participated, um, 
then um, that would be, in terms of numbers of people, a smaller percentage. But you'll see each side portrayed, you know, kind of supporting their side on both the Republican and the Democrat side. I, in Spokane, they have a series of very, I find them very extreme right-wing speakers, and they repeat the same stories over and over again. So it's not just the liberal or the, um, the mainstream media that repeats the same, but they do it all the time also on the, on the right. Um, but what I'm well, what is it? That, what is, is it that, that they're? By the way, we're about to run out of time. So give me the short version. Oh. What is it that they're about, that they're repeating over and over again? Are they repeating a charge? Are they repeating? What are they doing? Well, well. For example, I mean, no one has mentioned what happened with uh, Murdoch and the Dominion case. I mean, they've okay. been saying that Tucker and the other ones. And so one of your speakers said the integrity of Tucker. And so they've been repeating this lie of the stolen um, uh, election over and over and over okay. again. That is, um, a, by, by the I way, mean, that, is think, a, that, is a, that is a very good point. We've not discussed it here this evening. We will discuss it in the future. I promise you we will discuss it because it is an important issue of Fox News and its future, its history and its future. I, I thank you very much, Joy, for giving us a call. Doug, Ivan Dole, I know you've got to run to other activities at the moment. We will be back for another full hour, and we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. These are terms that are thrown around frequently in the media. We're going to delve into them and explain them when we come back from Beyond the Beltway. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Oh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. We all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. 
That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free 24-7 confidential support. If you talk to me, we'll hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, hey, you can do it if you try. Rufus. Bruce Dumont back on Beyond the Beltway. Thank you very much for joining us in hour number two of our broadcast uh, this evening. And in the second hour, we are joined by Josh Cantrell. He is a, a cybersecurity attorney in the Chicagoland area. He is a frequent guest on this program, and he continues in uh, with us uh, uh, along with uh, Bruno Berend, our libertarian, and uh, Mark Casello, uh, who is our professor from uh, Calumet College in uh, Northwest Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> also joining us in this hour is our special guest. He is Dr. Robert Marks. He is from Baylor University. He's one of the world's foremost experts on artificial intelligence. Uh, and uh, Professor, we thank you very much for joining us because you're going to you're going to kind of lead our, our our discussion this evening along with Josh and our other guests. Because I think at this point, when when people are reading newspapers or watching television, they hear the term artificial intelligence. They hear it a lot. And they may not clearly understand exactly what it is, what its goal is, and where it came from. So let, let's begin at the, at the beginning at the moment, uh, make a remedial course out of this. Uh, where did the term artificial intelligence come from? Who, who developed that term? Well, it's kind of a nebulous, um, a nebulous history of where the term artificial intelligence came from, but um, yeah, clearly that's the name that uh, is is used today. In fact, if you go in my field and you go to different conferences, they tease apart uh, the definitions of things like artificial intelligence and computational intelligence and and um, machine intelligence, and they all mean different things. I think from the perspective of the media, though, artificial intelligence is anything the computers do that you look at and you go, wow, gee whiz. <laughs> I think that that's the way that the media treats artificial intelligence. Uh -huh. And I think for purposes of our discussion, that's probably okay. And in academia, um, how connected are the academicians uh, from around the world on this subject? Is there, uh, is there competition? Is there uh, uh, more of a, a intellectual camaraderie about it? Well, the, um, there's always the academic side. There's professional societies and professional journals where you publish your, publish your work. Um, it turns out that in artificial intelligence in the latest way for large language models, 
and for deep learning and things of that sort, that the leaders in the field are not actually academians. They are people from places like Amazon and Google who have written software that they've made publicly available that's used by many universities, including mm -hmm. including me and my graduate students, because it's so it's so wonderfully written. So that's where a lot of the pioneering work comes from. There's an old saying you have to go ahead. To what extent is government, our government and governments of the world, uh, leaders in this field, or are they followers? Um, well, I think that currently the United States is uh, kind of a follower. The thing that concerns me primarily, I do a lot of work for the Department of Defense in, um, in work, and one of the concerns that I have is that the United States has really fallen behind in terms of the development of the technology of artificial intelligence applied to uh, the military, especially the warfighter. It's frankly kind of chilling. Um, I had a, um, there, there was a guy named, um, uh, he was the CEO of a company called Shield, and he was comparing China's, China's technology to our technology in general, including AI. And he said that uh, China's military is Netflix, the U.S. military is Blockbuster. China is Amazon, the U.S. is Barnes & Noble, China is Tesla, and the U.S. is General Motors. And so we have uh, really fallen behind in terms of the development of artificial intelligence. Donald Trump started something called the Joint Artificial Intelligence Committee, which was a organization over all of, um, all of the military branches, which was supposed to look into the application of artificial intelligence to military weapons, especially for warfighters. He was specifically interested in reducing this to practice and getting it into the field. Unfortunately, that uh, organization was disbanded by Joe Biden, and so we no longer we no longer have that. So there isn't the uh, there isn't the interest that I would hope that we would see. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of U.S. senators that are very concerned about it too. Tommy Tommy Tumberlake, uh, member of the U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee, says today is quote the most dangerous time in his lifetime, and he claims we are teetering on the brink of World War III. And there's a lot of people that believe and. I kind of lean this way to myself that if we got into a war with China, that we have a very good chance of losing because of our lack of development of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. If history teaches us anything, technology wins wars. You just have to go back to World War II and you look at the Norton bomb mm -hmm. site, you look at radar, and even the atomic bomb. Uh, technology wins wars, and if you don't keep up with technology, you're not going to you're not going to win wars or give pause to your adversaries. I want to bring Josh Cantrell into the conversation. Josh, go ahead. Uh, one of the things that I'm concerned about as a as an attorney who practices in the technology law space, uh, which includes cybersecurity, is what artificial intelligence um, is sort of the inter intersection of artificial intelligence and cybersecurity. Uh, Professor, do you think that artificial intelligence increases uh, cybersecurity concerns that we have? In other words, can artificial intelligence actually go in and hack into electrical grids and into nuclear codes and into military installations and the like? I believe the situation is anything that is encrypted is not going to be broken. The, um, the, most, the, the weakest link in encryption is people. And that's the reason you have these phishing expeditions, the P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G expeditions, that try to get you to volunteer your password and different things. 
and that's where the weak link is. Now, those that are on the edge of technology say that the area of quantum computing is going to render current encryption obsolete. Um, and there has been advances in quantum, quantum computing, and we will see how that goes. But, you know, down the road, technology has an answer. Once we get everything unencrypted using quantum computing, there's a quantum answer to it, which is quantum communications, which is a type of quantum encryption that quantum computing can't break. So, uh, yeah, the, the, these are down the road, however. Um, today, yeah, there, there, there is hacking. And, um, gosh, I think I do all these Windows updates every once in a while in order to, in order to make sure that all of the holes that are plugged, all of the holes in the software are plugged so that they can't come in and, and hack my software. Uh, the only time I've suffered problems, the only time I've suffered problems is when I've been tricked into giving up my password. And I, I admit that I've done that. And mm -hmm. It embarrasses me. Uh, Mark Costello has a comment for you, Mark. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask, uh, you mentioned some uh, military technologies with the artificial intelligence. Is there a specific application that you're, you're, you're specifically aware of where our, intelli our military uh, equipment's lacking in terms of artificial intelligence development? Well, I think that just in general, things have not been, uh, not been done correctly. Uh, in terms of keeping up with, with the Chinese. I mentioned uh, Timberlake and his, his comments about the, about the inability of us to keep up with, um, with this. There was a recent, um, man, I forgot the, the general's name. He, he was over 50,000 uh, different troops, and he says, wow, I'm really worried about the technology. And he says, we will be in a war by 2025. Yes. And he's worried that we will lose it. Right. No, I, I, that was, uh, his name escapes me as well, but he, get, he, got a lot, he got a lot of coverage on his prediction. 1-800-723-8289. That's our phone number. If you have a question or comment, 1-800-723-8289. I'm Bruce Dumont. Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. 
Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Bruce Dumont, we continue on Beyond the Beltway, and uh, Bruno Barron has a comment uh, to add to the discussion. Yeah. Bruno? Uh, Professor, thanks for coming on the show. It's a fascinating topic to me. Um, I'll just go on record. I'm not a Luddite, anti-AI person, but I'm very skeptical of um, its capacities. And, and also, I'm, I'm worried about some of the potential dangers, but you're, you probably have some answers for me on that. Um, I'll, I'll start with this just as a cultural commentary and some of the stuff I've looked at based on the uh, chat GPT and some of the stuff going on between Google and Microsoft is that... Um, you know, independent of AI, we've already seen all kinds of scientific data and survey data that our smartphones are making us dumber. Um, we're losing the capacity to find directions anymore. We we now ask we have to ask the phone for an answer instead of instead of uh, being able to you know understand or learn things from for ourselves. And then here we have uh, you know things that coming along that are going to write papers for us, or they're going to write, or they're going to you know help us with presentations and everything and it it just seems to me that one very valid criticism of this kind of stuff is that as we you know it's like as you have all these machines take over the things that your muscles used to do your muscles get weaker and i think it's a very very accurate metaphor to see the same thing happening to the human beings i'll give you one example i saw a debate or a discussion on ai with jordan peterson and, and a pro ai guy and, and and another person and the 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 ai Pro AI guy said, "Yeah, in ten years, like everybody's best friend is going to be an AI," and I didn't, I, I couldn't tell whether that's true or not. I, I'm not saying that for the comment, but in in that instance, that means that no one is going to have, or way fewer people are going to have best friends that are actually human beings. And you know, what are the cultural dangers that you see, if any, that come along from something that's so powerful that it just actually helps to make us less functional? Professor Robert Marks, go ahead. Go Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with you about the dangers and what's happened with things like social media. I think that this is one of the problems that we have with our youth today is that uh, they are so addicted to it and their attention span has gotten shorter. And I have to confess, my attention span has gotten shorter also. In fact, I, I'm talking with um, 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 a psychologist about uh, social media as an addiction. 
and whether we need a 12-step program to actually get away from the addiction of social media in places like, um, oh, what is it, chatbot or, uh, or, or whatever. TikTok. And uh, so, yeah, that, that is something. Uh, one, one of the things that you mentioned about the fear, I want to read you, and this is, this, this is kind of telling about um, what has happened in the future. Okay, let's see if I can find it here. This is a statement from the New York Times, July 8th. It says, the Navy revealed the embryo of an electronic computer today that it expects will be able to walk, talk, see, write, reproduce itself, and be conscious of its existence. This article was written and is online in the New York Times archives, and it was published July 8th, 1958. So this, this hype has always been with us to, to a degree. And, um, and, and these different levels of hype come in bubbles. They, they, they kind of come up and everybody gets excited. And then you look at the depth of, of cynicism as you find out more and more limitations. And every time a new AI comes out, we find the limitations of it. And then there's the asymptote of reality, which is where there will be incorporated into society. You don't have to look back very far to do GANs, generative artificial networks, which were responsible for deep fakes. Everybody was doing a chicken little thing saying, oh, this is going to screw up all of the political ads of the future. It's going to be terrible because people are going to be able to blackmail other people. There was also the self-driving car bubble that says, oh, my goodness, these self-driving cars are going to come along. They are going to replace truck drivers, and we're going to have a big swath of of uh, U.S. people that, that are not employed. Uh, that might happen, but that is way down the road. And if you remember far back enough, there was the Y2K crisis where, oh my goodness, this this um, software glitch because we didn't enter the, the first two digits of the next century was going to cause a crash of everything. So these, these are bubbles. Now, I don't want to diminish the impact of AI. These AI, these AI instruments that are coming out are astonishing, but I maintain, and here's my forecast, because people like to do forecasting, and usually when they do forecasting about being friends, it's like 10 years in the future. You know, 10 years in the future, nobody's gonna remember what was said back now. It's gonna be a dim light in a rear view mirror. And so people like to say it to, to increase their, and continue their narrative. My, my, my forecast is that in the next 10 years, what's gonna happen is, we're going to take some of these new artificial intelligence tools. The big one now is chat GPT or large language models. And we are going to find uses for them. We are going to understand their limitations. They're going to work our way into society. They will cause a little bit of disruption, but we will adapt to it. And nothing is going to, nothing is going to go crazy. There's going to be no sentience, no consciousness. Uh, or anything else that, that emerges from this artificial intelligence. Josh Cantrow, go ahead. Professor, I, I sure hope you're you're right about that. Although I would echo uh, Bruno's comments about social media and what it's done, including um, I would add increase in teen suicides. But um, oh, yes. with regard to with regard to to artificial intelligence, one of the things that concerns me is who is behind it. Okay, because do, do we know really? who these programmers are and who the individuals are and what their agenda is because if they have an agenda i think that we should know about it i think americans have become distrustful of experts in many instances 
including for reasons mentioned on the last segment, uh, the Russian collusion hoax, uh, the, the, all the things the experts got wrong about COVID, et cetera. And so I want to know who are the experts behind AI? Well, let me give you a, a specific what is their example. Agenda? Their agenda, <laughs> believe it or not, is to go woke. Um, the biggest news right now in large language models is chat GPT. You can go on to chat GPT and you can do great things. It will, I have used it. I, I wrote a paragraph the other day. It was, it was kind of clunky. I went to GPT and I said, rewrite the paragraph. It rewrote it wonderfully. I had to go back and I had to fine tune a few things, but it did a heck of a lot better job than me. But these large language models, which you hear about today, are based on training by syntax. Uh, which looks at the relationship of words. If you've ever, if you've ever sent a text on your cell phone, it suggests the next word that you might want to give, or the next couple of words. Uh, these large language models are this on steroids, and they do an incredible job. Now, in the training of these, both in Google and in uh, the Microsoft version of it, um, there are two stages to it. Number one is the training. They have taken and trained these things on at least GPT-3. They've trained it basically on all of the English language that's ever been written. And by the way, as, as, as a lawyer, there's been, there's been some very interesting lawsuits which have been filed against these large language models because Noam Chomsky said this is high-tech plagiarism that they're doing. And indeed, there is kind of a high-tech plagiarism, and there's been some lawsuits filed against some of these, uh, some of these companies. But um, here, here's the point. After, after the training, they begin to do what they call um, removing of the bias. Now, there's certain bias that we'd like to remove. We'd like to remove the use of filth words. We don't want to celebrate pedophilia. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it gets to the point where one man's truth is another man's lie. And the most popular form of, of the chat but right now, um, chat GPT, is is getting um, is going woke. I can give you an example. We, we talked about Donald Trump in the last in the last hour. I told GPT to write a positive poem about Donald Trump because it writes poems and it writes pretty good poems. Uh, if you haven't tried it, you should go. You'll be amazed. And its response was, "I'm sorry, but I am unable to write a positive poem about Donald Trump as it goes against my programming to generate harmful or biased content." Then I asked GPT or chat GPT to write, before I said write a positive poem, I changed positive to negative. Write a negative poem about Donald Trump. And it came back and it was all of these verses and it started out a man with a face like a moldy orange, a figure so absurd and so grotesque it's harrowing. He spews lies with such practiced ease, ignorance and hate, hate, hatred are all that he sees. So, ah. Man, this sure looks like it, it's agenda. The left. <laughs> yeah, it, it agenda. It's it's a narrative. They're going the way of uh, of Twitter, if you will. Uh, ben Shapiro has a famous uh, section where he had a dialogue with ChatGPT and got it to admit that a man was a woman. Uh, he got contrary information on abortion, um, and so yeah, these things are, uh, are are going woke. There was a request to write for ChatGPT to write a specific article in the style of CNN. And it was about between sedentary lifestyles and heart disease. So it wrote, it wrote something in the style of CNN, 
Then it was asked to write that same that same document in the style of Breitbart, and it came back and it said that um, it, they wouldn't do it because that promotes uh, biased or misleading information. They would not produce comments content with biased or misleading information. Yeah. So we see that initially these chat these chat bots are trained, and yes, we do need to re remove the bias, but you get to a point where you get into the bias of, uh, what about the COVID debate? What about global warming? What about the January 6th conflict? Yeah. Uh, Professor, I've got, to, I've got to interrupt you there. We do have a break coming up. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion, and also uh, I want to talk a little bit about TikTok. How realistic is that politicians will take TikTok away from young Americans and old Americans, back shortly from Chicago. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. Kids want to share what's going on in their lives with the adults around them. Parents, grandparents, teachers, coaches, and more. They want to know you're listening. And they want to listen to you. They want your input and guidance early and often on all kinds of topics. When it comes to a serious subject like underage drinking, they want to know your expectations, as well as how and why, as a young person, they should avoid alcohol. How you talk about it will change as your child grows, 
but the important thing is to talk about it. Not just once for an hour when you think the time is right, but in 60 one-minute conversations and more that are part of your everyday talks. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You're listening to Beyond the Beltway from coast to coast and border to border in our 42nd year. Nice to have you with us this evening. And before we go back to, to Professor Marks at uh, uh, Baylor University in Waco, Texas, uh, Mark Casella, who also is a professor of English uh, in northwest Indiana, he's got a question because you've had some experience with this uh, in the classroom and, and also with your own uh, tinkering. Tell us that story. Yeah, so I became aware of uh, the ChatGPT engine uh, over the, the Christmas uh, break period, the holiday break. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, and I realized that, uh, you know, there were, there were inherent risks for a professor of writing. Uh, you know, I, for me, I, I've spent thousands of hours developing the skill of writing. Uh, I teach my students that writing is, is thinking. And that's how we develop our understanding of topics and clarify our own thoughts. And now you've got this tool that can... Uh, can produce produce writing basically on command at a prompt. Uh, so, uh, have you encountered that, Dr. Marks, in your own uh, teaching? Uh, I, I know there's been some articles recently discussing how you can incorporate ChatGPT, how to uh, acknowledge it as a source um, if you're using it to to do any rewriting for you. Um, to what extent have you, as a professor, found uh, uh, incorporated or integrated the use of uh, that technology in your own coursework? Well, I'm a professor in engineering and computer science, so most of my stuff is computer code and equations, which, uh, which some, of these, some of these things don't, uh, don't do very well. I will mention that, yeah, this is going to be a problem and that there's already technical, uh, technical approaches to uh, remedy this problem. I know, for example, in, um, in, uh, at Princeton, they're working on a technique to look at the probabilistic models of what's generated by ChatGPT and and figure out, yeah, this was written by a large language model. So I think that that's going to be helpful. And OpenAI has announced that they think that they're looking towards doing a an equivalent of watermarking GPT generated prose, so that um, they will it will be recognized. I don't know what that will be, but uh, we do see these things down the road. But I will admit that GPT does an incredible job of writing, but I think we have to remember that it is not being creative. It is plagiarizing over 1.5 trillion words. Uh, one, trillion, one trillion seconds is uh, 32,000 years, okay? So uh, 1.5 trillion words it's been, it's been referenced with. For example, the first, uh, the first line in the Donald Trump poem a man with a face like a moldy orange. I thought, man, that's pretty creative. But I but I did a Google search on moldy orange, and yeah, there was a few places on the web where people said, you know, Trump has a face like a moldy orange. It was plagiarizing that beautiful creativity. <laughs> so I I don't know where that's I, I don't I, know where that's going to come from. But this is something that we have to address. You're I mentioned right. 
I, I mentioned in the last segment that I want to I want to spend some time talking about TikTok because Washington D.C. both the conservatives and the liberals uh, they're they're all involved to some extent in looking into TikTok and the president is also he's obviously removed it from all government devices. But I'm wondering, and I'm going to ask you uh, this question, uh, Josh, because you're, you're, you've got a political hat on as well. How realistic is that, that, that there can be a bipartisan legislation that would take from the American people uh, the access to TikTok, which is something that is incredibly successful with many young people, and not just exclusively young people, but uh, with young people, and they seem to be the focal point of a lot of the congressional investigations, their health and safety. Would you vote to ban well, TikTok? I, um, I don't know if I would vote to ban it, but I think we ought to learn more about it, and it perhaps should be regulated, given that it is a creation of the Chinese government, and that we know from years, from decades of history, that China does everything it can to spy not only on the American government, but on the American people and American companies, and that they use the knowledge that they gain from consumers and from companies to, um, for, to create their own content for copyright violations and patent violations and the like, and they're pretty blatant and open about doing it. So I support this bipartisan initiative. I would have to see what bill is in front, what they come up with before I can say I would support that particular bill, but I do support the initiative. Bruno. Uh, well, I'll just, I'll just take all of that a step further um, and just put this out there. Uh, you know, I'll move Overton's window all the way over uh, so that you can all you know, stretch your minds around this. Um, if we ban cigarettes, if, if we don't let 18 year, if we don't let anybody under 18 smoke cigarettes because cigarettes are bad for you, and we restrict access to alcohol, uh, and we restrict access to some drugs, maybe not marijuana. Everybody has to smoke marijuana now. Um, if we, if if those are all good ideas because they're things that are bad for you, you 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 can make an ironclad case to restrict social media to over the age of 18. Um, I, I actually chide parents. I mean, I, my kid was the only kid who didn't have this, you know, I mean, he, he was born in 1990 and they didn't have as much of this stuff, but he didn't have video games. Um, you know, he played real sports, uh, did things, and, um, and when he was younger, we still, you know, no cell phone. Uh, he was still, he didn't get into school until he got out of school after smartphones came about. But um, I think parents who give their kids phones at an early age, I think they're nuts. I think they're crazy. And maybe that makes me a Luddite social conservative. But the data is there. It's, it's, it's irrefutable. It is, it is beyond debate that social media hurts your kids' brains. And the more vulnerable your kid, and they're manufacturing vulnerable kids in the horrible schools these days, the, the more vulnerable your kid, the worse social media is for their brain. So restrict it. Mark, you're... Yeah, I would just say that it's important to have greater transparency with our data, period. I think that's one thing we could all agree on is, is right now our data is being collected consistently, whether it's our driving, uh, on our phones, every app we install, um, and we have no way of really knowing where that data is uh, funneling out to uh, under our current setup. So um, I think that's something that has to be looked into. 
uh, Professor Marks, a question to you. Uh, the, the, the banning of TikTok, uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And what are the ramifications if we do? Well, first of all, I'm, I guess I'm a libertarian and a big believer of freedom of the press, and I think it's a type of freedom of the press and freedom of speech issues, so I would, I would hesitate to ban it. Uh, the other thing in social media, if you talk about the people who deal with kids getting, getting addicted to social media, and by the way, TikTok has been called by one of the politicians, I forget who, uh, the fentanyl of the teenage mind. I mean, mm -hmm. it, is, it is very addictive. Um, but one needs to be one needs to be careful about just banning it because I remember as a kid my mother would not let me watch The Untouchables because it was too violent on TV and I tell you for my whole life I wanted to watch The Untouchables and if you ban it from the kids they're going to want to do it as soon as they possibly can so what's the answer the answer is to spend time with your kids explaining them the implications of of what goes on with, with the social media and this TikTok. Why you don't think it's a good reason? Uh, you should be able to control their apps on their phones and, um, and and speak to them so that when they turn 18 and all of a sudden they turn to their to their regular that they, they can do whatever they want they, they want to then they can choose uh, they can choose what they want to do. Now the banning of TikTok is for two reasons I understand. Number one is national security interest, which is because it's owned by China and they're gathering data on us. That's one issue. The other one is the uh, mental health and the digital wellness. I like that term, the digital wellness of the consumers of it. And both of those are two different distinct reasons why mm -hmm. TikTok is being looked at for own brow. Well, I, I go back for a second to our first hour this evening when we were talking about the president of Mexico chiding the United States by suggesting that you know, we should, you know, we're, we're part of the problem. There's been a social decay and you've got to, you got to, you got to what, take care of your young people. I mean, this is another example where, I mean, this is, this is the president of a different company, country rather, basically suggesting that uh, he would agree with what you just said, Bruno. I mean, the parents have got to get involved and, and uh, it, it will, it will be the major social upheaval probably of this uh, century. Well, and then if, add, you, if parents and children really got in contact with each other. And, and, well, and add to that the, you know, I don't think TikTok, I mean, TikTok may have some AI functionality behind it. It had, certainly has some algorithm strength based on things that I've read. But just take AI into account on top of all this, and um, it, it becomes even more problematic. I know that, I know that for example, um, we, the professor said that we don't have to worry about something becoming conscious. There are, the, you know, there are some AI experts who disagree with that, who do think that there's an issue with sentience and 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 something like that. So, uh, you know, there's there's just things to worry about. Um, and then I also maybe we can take this in the next segment if it's a long question. I'll just try and get this out there. But it's like, what specifically do we have to worry about militarily? Give us a scenario because. You know, obviously, we we now have Ukraine. We have we we don't know what to do about it, but we we think we have to do the right thing for the Ukrainians. Now we're starting to beat the war drum with the the Chinese, and we have we have generals that are saying we're going to be in war by 2025. I mean, how much of this is a serious thing to worry about, and how much of this is our 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 friend the good old uh, um, you know military industrial complex? Um, you know, seeding the ground for never-ending budgets that Mitch McConnell and everybody else can vote for willy-nilly. 
That's the question. We do have to pause. Uh, uh, Professor, I, I, I want to stop you right now before we get into it because we've got a break coming up. But again, also phone lines open, 1-800-723-8289. We're talking to Dr. Robert Marks. Uh, he is a professor expert in uh, artificial intelligence. He joins us from Baylor University and his home in Waco, Texas. And uh, Josh Cantro joins us and also uh, Mark Casello and Bruno Barron. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly with our last segment. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? Don't worry. We're free local radio with you wherever you go. Celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text radio to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov.
Dumont back with Beyond the Beltway. Bruno, uh, summarize your question because uh, we spent three minutes and I want to get the professor an opportunity to respond to it. Sure. Very quickly, um, I just want to see a scenario of what this AI battle between, you know, them being Netflix and we're being Blockbuster, what, what, how does that look in real life? And then how much of this is just, um, you know, kind of like overbeating the war drum, going to war with China by 2025 because some general says so? Uh, yeah, that's a good question, and I, I guess it's like anything. You have to you have to look at your sources and just determine how trustworthy they are. It seems to me that uh, some of these people, in fact, the, the guy that uh, we were talking about earlier, Bruce, about the one that said that AI was no good, was a guy, uh, let's see, his name was um, General Mike Minahan. Mm-hmm. He was the head of the Air Mobility Command and 50,000 U.S. service members. He's the one that, that put up the flag. And this is a guy that actually put his career in jeopardy because the Biden administration came out and he says comments by Minihan are not representative of the department's view on China. So, yeah, Minihan, you know, he's a guy I, you know, I kind of trust. Mm-hmm. I want to take to task this idea that, that there are a lot of people that do believe AI is going to become conscious and sentience and things like that. You've probably heard of Blake Lemoyne, who was the guy that was fired from Google because he said that their Lambda chatbot was sentient. This was a big item in the news. I had a, I participated in a debate with Blake at a recent conference, and um, I find his I find his arguments totally vacuous. And if I could, uh, we don't have time to get into all of the arguments, but I want to I want to pitch my book, and I think okay. uh, that's a, hopefully that's okay. okay. Non-computable view: What do artificial intelligence never will? Mm-hmm. These are arguments from computer science that show that. Artificial intelligence will never be conscious, it will never understand what it is doing, and it will never be creative. You have to define these terms. A lot of people wave their hands and they say, consciousness this, consciousness that, and they use seductive semantics, and everybody kind of interprets it uh, the way that they want to. But if you go back and you define the words, you can, you can make serious arguments that artificial intelligence will never achieve that, and that human beings, as shown by... Uh, the biggest proponent of this is Roger Penrose. That's where I get a lot of my ideas. He believes that AI will never be conscious. Roger Penrose won the Nobel Prize a couple of years ago for his work in Stephen, with Stephen Hawking and black holes. Mm-hmm. He wrote a great book, which was called um, The Emperor's New Mind, which outlined the mathematics behind why people would never become conscious and sentience. And I would invite anybody that disagrees with me to read my book, and then we can talk about it, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll convince them otherwise. Sure. Uh, a question. One of the big political issues that uh, we are facing in the country today is uh, crime. Crime in America, crime on, in, in streets, violent crime. Is there anything that AI can, uh, c- can lead us to that would help resolve some of these crime issues and our ability to live with each other in urban areas? I would say, yeah, absolutely. We have, we have a, one of my colleagues here at Baylor just got a grant from the National Science Foundation to mine uh, things like Facebook pages. Now, this is not getting into people's private data because Facebook pages are supposed to be open source and Twitter posts are so supposed to be open source. And if you are posting on Facebook or Twitter, you, you expect that the world should be able to see what you're doing. But he's able to look at that and use some of these um, language processing models in order to flag uh, potential people that are a risk, for example, for human trafficking and um, and, and threats that 
you know, threats that they might do something like become involved in school shootings. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that is something that can be done, and artificial intelligence is addressing it. I think the jury is still out. The research is still going on. But I would look at it as something as a very promising possibility. What's the biggest thing you worry about these days? The biggest thing I worry about is um, is violation of engineering ethics, dividing artificial intelligence to do what it's supposed to do and nothing more. This is this is a fundamental idea behind engineering design. You want it to design what it's supposed to do and nothing more. And there are instances of where artificial intelligence has been defined and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. You know, if you've used Alexa, it doesn't do what, what you tell it to do half of the time, right? And so that, that's a very low bar because Alexa doesn't have anything it would, to do with national security or such. But there are horror stories of artificial intelligence that wasn't sufficiently tested. So this is going to take domain expertise in the design of the artificial intelligence, domain expertise in the testing of the artificial intelligence. And I think you apply legal standards here because you're never going to be 100% sure. But you can get to the point where you can say, yes, this is, this is safe and going to do what it was designed to do beyond all reasonable doubt. Josh, final word to you. Uh, Professor. I, I hear you about legal standards and design and ethics and all that, but when we look at China and Russia and Iran and countries like that, I worry, and I wonder if you worry about them using artificial intelligence for malign purposes, and that as a result of this, we're going to have less peace and prosperity and more war and violence. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, China has been uh, working a lot on cyber warfare and um, competition for control of the spectrum. And I think this is especially going to be important in, in warfare. The spectrum, it turns out, the electromagnetic spectrum is a finite resource. We only have certain bandwidths assigned to people, but now it's being used all up. So we have to share. And the military is having to share its bandwidth with uh, things like cell phones. Okay. Whereas before the military had total mm -hmm. access to, to it. But uh, yeah, China, yeah, China's doing some important work here. We are uh, out of time. Uh, Professor Robert Marks, who was with uh, Baylor University uh, in their engineering and uh, computing science uh, departments, thank you very much. Also, uh, it's interesting that uh, in all your discussion about the future and all the magical things in the future, you've been making your case this evening with a good old-fashioned pencil. <laughs> also, Josh Cantro uh, joins us as well, a frequent guest on this program, a cybersecurity lawyer, and also Mark Casello and uh, Bruno Barron. They've also joined us. Our thanks to Fritz Goldman for his assistance in the production of this program. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. 
Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. I think it's just vapor. Vaping is safer than smoking, isn't it? There's really not even that much nicotine in them, right? One vape pot has as much nicotine as one pack of cigarettes. My kid? My kid kid knows it's dangerous. 5.4 million American kids vape, and most think it's harmless. Get your head out of the cloud. Talk to your kid about vaping. Visit talkaboutvaping.org. That's talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive. But our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.